0: If I was to tell them anything, what they should learn first before they even look at any any form of exercise physiology textbook would be personality profiling, without a doubt. Understanding how to build that communication, that trust. That relationship is what's going to keep them coming back. That relationship is going to make them feel that they owe you something. I'm, I'm going to do the work because I want to make you proud of me. And that's, that's what we all want. We all want someone to feel proud of what we've achieved.
1: That was strength and conditioning coach and owner of Hurt Locker Gym, Brad Riddle. And this is the Euphoria Health Podcast. Howdy there, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Euphoria Health Podcast. My name is Matt Sapala, and I am your host. If this is your first time joining in the conversation, welcome along, and thank you so much for jumping on board. A little bit of background about myself, I'm a qualified personal trainer and I'm currently studying a Bachelor of Health Science majoring in Nutrition. I'm so, so passionate about Holistic Health and all of its pillars. The pillars that I think are so fundamentally important under this Holistic Health umbrella are Nutrition, Movement, Recovery and Mindfulness. Through this platform, I strive to help educate and inspire you guys to have longevity and sustainability at the forefront of all your decisions. Let's focus on building healthy foundations and setting a new benchmark for our health, one that can be sustained for the rest of our life. I want you guys to know the recipe on how to create healthful decisions, decisions that add years to your life. I live by this philosophy, I don't want to be your quick fix, I want to be your only fix. This week on the show I sat down with athlete and gym owner Brad Riddle. Brad is one of the most inspiring people I've ever met and he has one of the most impressive fitness resumes I've ever seen. With over 17 years of coaching experience, including stints at the elite level, as well as having completed marathons, Ironmans, and pretty much anything that requires you to be in the Hurt Locker, Brad's definitely done it. But his fitness resume isn't the most attractive thing about him. His dedication and determination to put in the work is inspiring. His mindset and relentless attitude redefines the word impossible when it comes to fitness and life brad is the owner of hurt locker gym in richmond which is a facility that aims to rule out the gray in areas of life i love brad's philosophy when it comes to decision making i'll let him elaborate on this more in the show but essentially he aims to simplify decision making by having a black or white approach you're either in or you're out and i love it Many of us hover in the gray area and this can create unnecessary anxiety and worry. But Brad aims to help others take control of their health and wellness by simplifying things to black and white. I think Brad's experience in the industry and ability to connect on a deeper level to his members helps him navigate through the gray area with people and help provide those individuals with whatever support they need to help them get through the gray area. I don't think this approach is something that can be taken lightly and I think Brad's experience definitely helps him navigate through this area. Brad and I also take a deep dive into the fitness industry and why the industry is quote unquote unfit in many ways and we'll also brainstorm some tips on how you can stand out as a personal trainer slash gym owner by following a simple plan. We discussed the role that connection and networking can have in the industry and just how you can bulletproof your mindset to get the job done. The recipe is simple. Put in the work and reap the rewards. Brad, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with the Euphoria Health community. You're the most energetic and driven man I've ever met and the opportunity to pick your brain was electric. I hope that you guys got as much out of the episode as I did take it away, Brad Riddle. Brad Riddle, welcome to the Euphoria Health Podcast, mate.
0: Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me.
1: We're here for round two. We tried yesterday and unfortunately some tech difficulties, background noise, um, didn't let us have the full podcast, but we're here for round two for a better, even better and bigger one.
0: That's it. That's it.
1: Mate, really pumped for this. As I mentioned yesterday in our um, false episode, we've been in the pipeline for this for almost a year. Um, last year we made contact while I was living up in Darwin and yeah, knew we had to get it done through a mutual friend and love the space that you've created here. Love your whole philosophy on fitness, health and lifestyle. Um, to paint the picture for you guys, we're sitting upstairs in Richmond at Brad's Gym Hurt Locker. Amazing space, we're in the recovery room. Um, yeah, living the dream, mate, so really pumped to get into this one. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, I'd love to take it back for the beginning for the listeners and let us know what life was like for Brad Riddle growing up.
0: Um, yeah, mate, I've, um, been fortunate enough to know what I wanted to do from a young age, um, and I've always been into fitness and health and whether or not I was playing sport as a junior and then working my way through, you know, athletics through school, um, you know, you know, putting my finger in, in, in a lot of sports, um, Whether it be basketball, football, um, anything that was associated with team sports growing up. And then when I hit that later, um, you know, 18, 19, 20, um, I started personal training straight away. I knew I wanted to help people. I knew I wanted to coach people. Um, I just needed to find what it was that I, you know, I suppose had an expertise in and and how I wanted to develop that, Um, but essentially always knew from a young age.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like you can tell, anyone that speaks to you, your bleeding passion. You've definitely found that, that niche that, you know, you're specialising in. You mentioned yesterday you're you're pretty avid footballer. Talked to us a little bit about the football path growing up.
0: Um, mate, I've, I've, I generally um, I've played footy ever since I was six. My older brothers played football. Um, and then just from there, I suppose, you end up watching them play sport and, you, and you're kind of motivated and, and you, know, you idolise your older brothers and go, oh, I want to do exactly the same thing. So my brothers played sport and then um, I jumped in straight away. Um, I actually played football competitively um, all the way through to senior football and then continued on for another um, you know, 15 years almost all the way through um, at a senior level as well. Um, and then after that, you know, I, I, just, I still played sport competitively but just didn't, didn't do it at such a level where you know, you're contracted to play.
1: How do you think the competitive sport environment and being involved in a team sport in particular sort of moulded your passion for fitness and, and that drive to continue in group training?
0: Well, I, know, I know people will have this sense to belong. I know that when you're a part of a team, there's a instant um, accountability that you owe the team. So essentially, if you weren't motivated, you weren't encouraged to do the work yourself, the, the peers around you would then force you to actually participate in creating a better you, being fitter, being healthier, you know, um, buying into that team environment. And, and that's with all sports. You generally find that all players go through highs and lows, um, but as a team, they're a much stronger um, identity. So I, mean, I, I love that about team. I love that about community. I love that about group training as well, because even the people that, that are in, you would say Hurt Locker is a group training facility, We do personal training, we do individual coaching, we do mentoring, um, and they can come and use this space just as a gym, but the reality is they know if they walk into this space, that there's someone that's gonna keep them accountable. Whether or not it's the people inside the group or the coaches, a lot of their their best friends they've created inside this space, they hang out, they go to New Year's Eve parties together, they go to birthdays together, they go out for lunches and dinners, but they were all associated or they found each other inside of these four walls. So I see a lot of similarities with team sports, but then this is group training, but it's it's like in a team environment.
1: Yeah, definitely, I think group training or in the past sort of five to 10 years has really taken off because of that element, that community and that connection, the relationship building, I think that's huge and something that people that go to work and go home and potentially are just like there with their partner, that's their escape to go mm. and, and create bonds, do burpees together, yep. be in the pancave, be in the hurt locker, yep. for, for lack of a better term, together and create that, that team environment. So I really love it. Brad, you mentioned that, you know, you got into the fitness industry straight out of high school. Um, I know speaking to you, you've had some amazing experiences along the way, some of which travelling, you know, working overseas with professional sporting clubs. Um, you're a strength and conditioning coach for the Melbourne Storm as well. Talk to us a little bit about those experiences and how that sort of added strings to your bow um, to be a, a, a well-rounded coach.
0: Yeah, so some things the as thing that I mentioned yesterday, I find in today's day that there's sort of like... Three different styled coaches um, there's coaches that that practice what they preach they, they they know what they they know because they've done it themselves and so they, they live through their, their own experiences there are coaches out there that are very very book smart they're very book savvy they know the biomechanics they know the kinesiology behind the, you know the human body they know how to science out the program and and they're very good at doing that but sometimes they neglect their own training and then there's in today's day, you've seen the last decade or so that these social media sort of motivators, they're, they're influencers where they, they look the part and they engage a, a, a wider community. So I wanted to make sure that that when I was learning this, I never just pigeonholed myself. I never just wanted to stick to one thing. I, I never wanted to be the guy who goes, hey, Brad does these Ironmans, he's gone you know, to Everest Base Camp, he's climbed mountains, he's run marathons, ultra marathons, played sport. I never wanted to just be the guy that's just done it. I wanted to be the guy that I've done it, but I know how to get other people to do it as well. I know how to coach them. I know how to take them from absolutely nothing to getting somewhere quite fast um, and progressing them quite, quite sooner what they would think. And so then you're constantly building on that 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 social media platform, and, and you're constantly trying to layer on, layer on, layer, and build a community on a uh, internet styled um, program but essentially for me I wanted to make sure that I could diversify myself and go how can I learn as much as I can about everything I don't know Um, I played sport from a young age so I knew football I knew football back to front I knew how people would play football I knew how they would need to train for football because I'd done it from such a young age And, and I knew what it took to become a good football player so what I did was I studied everything else I studied hockey I studied swimming I studied um, you know, I went over to St Andrews and studied golf, equestrian riders. I went to a, a horse ranch in St Andrews as well and watched watched how equestrian riders would, would ride a horse on this anterior plane of movement, and have such great balance as they leant forward from their hips and their you know their sternum stayed upright. And I just wanted to study golf through rotation. I went over and looked over at um, S and C programs through colleges through the United States of America, and, and I just. I found it so interesting. These athletes were so powerful. They were so big compared to the Australian athletes and their typical Aussie rules competitor. Um, I worked at Melbourne Storm in 2011. Um, I love the fact they keep it very, very basic, very, very simple. They just master the simple um, fundamentals of a squat, of a deadlift, um, of the chin up. They don't, they don't, you know, mess around with it too much. They keep it so simplistic. You want to test it? Fine. Bench press, easy barbell. Take it down to your chest. Push it back up. So that was that was my mythology about it, and I find that 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 translates so large to the group training realm because you have such a wide spectrum of athletes that come in here, and then I'm able to then adjust accordingly um, very very quickly. I have a attention to detail; I can eye something from across the other end of the room, and then I'm able to adapt it very very quickly. And I think the only way you can do that is if you have a broad knowledge of yes, your exercise library needs to be really really big but you need to understand what the human body is capable of and and how it should move and how each individual is different. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Totally agree with you there, Brad. And I think like following on from, from what you were just saying there, fitness doesn't have to be complex, does it? Like if you can master the, you know, those four basic movement patterns, your hinge, your squats, your press, your pull, you know, and you can build a program around those. Like, they're all the fundamental movement patterns that we need and then your strength and conditioning coaching isn't too dissimilar from that it's just progressing that in a way that you know is going to challenge that athlete I feel like within the industry at the moment there's a lot of trying to be the sexy fitness approach and we're really neglecting those basics and and taking it forward to like step five where you're doing like lunge jumps with a sledgehammer like we're trying to progress too fast instead of focusing on those basics like 80% of my clientele that I see initially can't even do the hinge movement successfully, Mm. so there would be no point in going straight into plyometric launches, you know?
0: Yeah, and and there's gotta be a time and place where you then make it specific, but the reality is you have to nail the fundamentals first, and once you have nailed the fundamentals, then you can play around with it a bit and make it really, really specific to that person's needs and desires and wants. But the reality is that person might be at a beginner level and then people try to jump the hula hoops way too fast and then go to a single leg plyo with a a TRX band and a row, and they they really try to complicate the movement pattern where you just take it back to the beginning, teach them the beginnings, teach them the fundamentals, and then get really good at the fundamentals. I tell everyone, you know, your 60-year-old Nan didn't fall down the stairs because she lost balance, because she wasn't strong enough to stand on one leg. And so then you think about, okay, how do I train someone on that unilateral platform? And how do I move you know, with a Bulgarian split squat or a single legged Romanian deadlift and, and, and things like that. Like people can really just slow it down, change the tempo, increase the range of motion before they start to adapt the exercises themselves.
1: Yeah, no, really, really great points. I think we could chat for, for hours about different movement pains and how we can progress programs and, and whatnot. But I, I really think that you're a unique individual here, Brad, that you've got this mindset that is callous, for lack of a better term. I'll take that one off David Goggins. You're enabling yourself to have that intrinsic motivation. And not only for yourself, you're building a tribe of other people that can motivate themselves and motivate the others around you. And I guess that's um, everything that I hear from Hurtlocker and everything that you're preaching. I'd love to talk a little bit about your mindset and how it has become this quote-unquote colors form.
0: Yeah, so I think there is a, um, a truth to that where people do come to Hurt Locker because they know that I am here. Um, they know that I, I call it as I see it. There's no gray area with me. I'm, I'm a very straight shooter. And, and I think it takes a, a lot of like real world understanding to be able to relate to a lot of people. And you have to have gone through an, a, a certain experience in yourself um, and growth in yourself to be able to then stand in front of someone and literally tell them what's right what's wrong what they need to change and a big thing about being a coach is, is you have to be personable with everyone you know you have to be able to understand personality types what someone's gone through their age their training age and who they are and I think that's one of the biggest things with me where people can can um, feel comfort in is they know that I've got a fair bit of life experience in that area and um, in touching on what we touched on yesterday, I've been doing this for so long where I've been able to apply this work ethic and this desire to want to be better from such a young age. Um, I was raised by a single mum, had three brothers, I was one of four boys, and in that, I always saw the strength in a mum to be able to raise four boys by herself, and, and that really embedded something in me to want to become stronger, better, and empower other people with that. Um, so, yeah, he, I've been doing this now for 18 years. And I suppose, you know, um, I've always idolized my mum and what she was able to do. And then um, I've wanted to apply that to myself and always being better in, in, in what I can be.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, as we were touching on yesterday, experience and the ability to relate to somebody comes from personal experience and some comes from dealing with hardship at that point in time and I I really resonated yesterday I was so captivated by your story how you've taken the strength of your mum to raise four boys on her own like that is so challenging and you know like there's different strengths that you can look at you can look at fitness strength you can look at life strength and you can look at business strengths but I feel like once you've got that life strength element everything else falls into place if that all makes sense like it's super super challenging to even contrast how that was for your mum in that point of time and for you to take that strength out of her situation and, and build it into what you've done now is, is just incredible.
0: Yeah so another, another element of that and another part of that is I definitely always look at the positives and I always look at the half 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 full instead of the glass half empty and one of the biggest things is, and people might not know about, know this about me, is is that, yeah, I was raised by a single mum, and she raised four boys, um, and we'll, the reason that was was she had to pack us up and put us in a car and run away. My father was quite an abusive man. He was ex-military. He overindulged in alcohol, and that brought out the worst in him, um, and, and, he, and then that created this physical being, and then that, you know created the point where my mum goes, we need to get out of this situation and we need to get out of this environment to create a more positive space for these boys to to be raised. And I suppose in that that time growing up, you you had a decision to make. You either go, you know, "Do, do I want to be like my father? Do I want to be, you know, like they say, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree? And my oldest brother, unfortunately, he went down that line. He really had this emotional disconnection Um, from my father that he really couldn't control and so then he would indulge in alcohol and drugs himself and then he would turn into the exact same guy he would turn this physical being he would turn to physical abuse to empower himself upon people and then I never wanted to be like that I never wanted to go down that path of being physical with anyone or abusing someone or even verbally abusing someone in that in that in that manner and then eventually it led, it led to my brother's detriment. My brother ended up committing suicide. And then I was one who actually received the phone call from the police letting, him, letting me know that I'd lost my brother. But then they asked me the question that they're like, well, Brad, do you want to tell your mum or do you want us to go around and tell your mum? And this is at 3.30am in the morning. And I was actually on my way to work. And then I said, no, I, I want to be the one that tells my mum. I think it's going to be better coming from, from a loved one than coming from a, a direct stranger. And I was just really glad in that, in that moment that I was the one that knocked on my mum's my door and told her, because I knew, I knew I'd have the strength to handle that. I'd grown up making sure I was able to handle the situation that presented itself in front of me in the most rational way that I could. I looked that upon in everyday life when people come to me with emergency situations, I, I want to be someone that they lean upon, not someone that creates the problem to become even worse and make it explode, which some people tend to do. So you had two options here. You either cried, why me? And why was I dealt the hand that I was dealt? Or I looked upon it as in how courageous is my mum that she was able to pack up her life and then travel away to the other side of the state to get away from the scenario that we're put in. And we're all put in different scenarios every single day. It's just how we respond to it. Do we have the courage literally to stand up and say stop let's let's make a change let's make a difference and now this is a really unique situation this is something that not a lot of people go through but we're all we dealt situations every day work relationships environment friends people we hang around with and, and and you control the scenario and that's when when people come to see me i can relate to them I tell them the scenario you're in probably ain't as bad as what you're playing out in your mind. I've seen worse. Um, one of the biggest things that I loved, like when I went to Everest, it wasn't even about climbing to base camp or going to the top of Calapata and looking upon Everest. It was about the people there, and they don't have much, but geez, they smile, and they're beautiful people. And I'm like, it's amazing how when you uncomplicate the world and you surround yourself in the environment. How beautiful you can see it, you know, through someone else's eyes. But yet we we literally create so many issues inside of our mind and stresses inside of our mind that we overthink things, we create this you know, this anxiety and, and, and nervousness each and every single day. So through my life experiences and what I've gone through, I try to teach people, yes, one through physical exertion and exercise, but also through another mental way of looking at things. And that's sort of a strength of mine that I find. I'm able to relate to a lot of people and, and they see an honesty in what I've done.
1: Well man, I'm I'm lost for words. Firstly, thanks so much for, for
0: sharing that. I think
1: like I touched on before, that that personal experience and and dealing with those situations, it it does simplify the world because nothing's ever as bad as dealing with that, right? Like getting up out of your bed in the morning is not hard compared no. to that. So when we simplify things like that, our decisions should be so easy. Mm. But the reality is we get caught in this web of life and
0: they're not. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and let's be honest, you hear, you hear the complaints every single day. People that walk in here, and, and and I make sure that we change that mindset, but they come in, I'm tired, it's early, it's cold, you know, I'm not feeling great, I've got a little niggle here or there, you know, um, something... And I, I just say it like, imagine if you didn't voice that. Imagine if you just kept it to yourself just a little bit without telling everyone how bad things were start to talk about how, how how good it is to be able to get out out of bed how good it is to be able to engage in exercise because some people can't do that they don't have that availability um, and, and, and it's, it's just about it's just a shift in mindset you know and sometimes it, it takes someone to call someone out it, it, it literally takes you keep getting away with it you keep getting away with it all the time until someone calls you out and goes right you just got to cut the crap you know, and I'm happy to be that person. I, I've got no no problems with calling someone out for continually making excuses. Yeah,
1: I love that philosophy. I think, yeah, it takes a special person to be able to stand up and say, you know, you're, you're performing subpar, you need to do better and I feel like in this day and age, there's not many people like that. Everyone's happy to cruise in that comfort zone and, and just accept that near enough is good enough. But I love the philosophy that, you know, like, you can be great, so why set why settle for good, you know? And yeah. I
0: think that you you live that. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the biggest things about Hurt Locker is, 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 in, is in today's day, there's a lot of trainers out there that will pat someone on the bum and say, great work for something that's not great work. And that's something we don't do here. If, if you're going to get praise, you're going to earn it. If, you, if you're gonna turn up once, I'm not gonna say great, great you got here once or twice a week. It's not great, it's not hard. Okay, there's people out there that train two, three, four times a day. So the reality is uh, to get to, to earn your stripes in here, you have gotta do the work. You've, you've, you've gotta make sure you're putting in 100% and if you have an off day, you never have two off days. Yeah, it's always corrected the following day. So I tell someone, if they tell me I'm having an off day, have today as an off day tomorrow's not your off day, tomorrow's going to be better and that's truly one of the reasons why people come here, not for the facility, not for you know the bells and whistles, they come here for the coaches and their honesty
1: You know Brad, I think that there is a so much more to unpack in that in that realm i feel like it's so easy to you know to have this mindset and be reckless without being educated in the realm and being reckless would be going out and running marathons every day without focusing on your recovery without doing all the other things that complement those decisions and i feel like it's easy for someone to say all right you just need to push harder you just need to push harder but it comes back to what we're saying before earlier in the conversation to understand the person and understand how to progressively push that person, whether that be physically, whether that be mentally, whether that be an extra challenge for them that's not fitness related. You've got to understand the person to be able to know how to adapt that safely. And I feel like that's where a coach and a personal trainer or a fitness professional, whatever you say is so so important to understand your clientele and understand the person that you're training because you can be reckless in that situation.
0: 100%. a coach is what, I, is what I call someone, but they wear so many hats. They wear so many caps that they have to put on each and every single day. And one of the biggest one is, is that like part-time mentor, you know, um, life coach that is able to see the situation for what it is and then adapt it. And there are stresses that go on each and every single day. And we need to see that and where that person is at physically, emotionally, okay, and energy, and then adapt the program accordingly. You want them to fully apply themselves, but that could be fully apply themselves to a stretch, fully apply themselves to taking some time out in a sauna and just sitting there and relaxing and finding that mental headspace that's that's going to give them clarity. A workout could give them clarity, but you've got to make sure that it, that that it's aligned with their goals. So, don't just give someone who's planning to run a marathon and go, "I need to do you know some German volume training with with a squat," you know, and, and that's what I want you to stick to ten sets of ten, and. It's got no carryover to what what they're trying to achieve. But you have to see the scenario for what it is and then adapt on your feet. And yes, there's a plan. Yes, there's a matrix we're meant to follow, but every day you need to adapt. And that's why I think the best coaches out there have the ability to read the scenario for what it is and then adapt. You're planning to do this, but today we're gonna do something slightly different because this is what you need to do at the moment for yourself. Yeah,
1: 100%. I, I couldn't agree more, Brad. And I think like personal trainers are so underrated in the industry because it's so easy to get your qualification six months and, and then you're qualified as a personal trainer. And I feel like there is so many different pillars. Like you just said, life experience, understanding the person, knowing how to effectively communicate, understanding the, the textbook side of things is super, super important as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely don't equate all coaches on par. I feel like you you that you can distinctly clear, distinctly look at someone who is a better coach than someone else just based on their fundamentals and how they approach a situation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and the reality is you've got, to, you've got to ask yourself as well, you go like, who, who, who are the number one coaches in Australia right now? Because you look at them around the world, you look at the Charles Poliquins and the, and the Paul Checks and stuff like that. You look at these guys that have, got, have had long longevity in this area, huge, huge longevity. Um, and you think about, their coaching styles, their mythology, and, and what they've done, and you look at people like Winhoff and you think about their you know their ice therapy and their cold water treatments and so forth. But you look in, in Australia, if you were to look in Australia right now and go, who are the best coaches around Australia and how well known are they? People would be lucky to name five. People might be lucky to name two. You know, I know some of the top trainers around Australia and state to state. You're not thinking about many publicly that are known as the best in that area. And that's why, because so many people outside of our social media platform, they're so limited with what they actually know. There's very few coaches out there that tick all three, knowledge, practice what they preach, okay, and they're seen as a motivator as well. And, And that's what we need to try and improve on now. We need to try and improve across the board, all coaches across the board, understanding what it actually takes to be a good coach.
1: Hey there friends, I just have a quick word from our show sponsor and then we'll get right back to it. My Euphoria Health community would know that I adopt a plant-exclusive diet, a diet that is often placed under the microscope and labelled as a diet that lacks nutrients. While majority of the essential nutrients can be attained from a plant-rich diet, there are some nutrients that need a little extra love. Lucky for us plant-based folk, Emil, working together with Simon Hill, have teamed up and formulated the Essential 8 multi which features some key nutrients that plant-based eaters may fall short on. The eight key nutrients formulated in the capsules include omega-3 DHA/EPA, iodine, selenium, iron, vitamin D3, vitamin B12, calcium, and zinc. Conveniently, just two capsules per day provide me with the ability to bulletproof my plant-rich diet as well as ensuring I'm not falling short on any nutrients of focus. I personally take two capsules of essential eight every day with breakfast, which ensures I can maintain my vital bubbly self and continue to promote active living within the community. The best part about this is that Emil have taken the hassle out of the reordering process through their monthly subscription model. Essential 8 just arrives at my doorstep each month, no questions asked. To get yours, head to www.emil.com forward slash euphoriahealth. That's www.e-i-m-e-l-e.com forward slash y-o-u the number 4-i-a-health. Be sure to use the code euphoriahealth at the checkout for an extra 5% off your first order on top of the generous subscription discount. I'll have a direct link in the show notes for you guys. All right, let's get back to it. Yeah, I think those three points that you spoke about are are really, really crucial. Um, Talking a bit from personal experience, my whole coaching philosophy is centered around relationship building and connection and networking, and I think... That's what I put at, at a higher priority, and I feel like if we can get people, you know I'm targeting the masses in terms of getting people just moving more, mm. with coming from sitting less and moving more. So if we can get people moving more in any fundamental way, that's a, our first stepping point and then we can go from there. And I think the gateway that I've found through personal experience is relationship building and connection. I feel like I've placed that as a higher priority. I'm not sure, based on your experience in the industry, much longer than I have, what do you think for coaches coming up up and coming in, in the realm, what do you think is the most important fundamental for them to, to place a higher priority of to be an effective coach?
0: Yeah, without a doubt, I think... If I was to tell them anything, what they should learn first before they even look at any any form of exercise physiology textbook would be personality profiling, without a doubt. Understanding how to build that communication, that trust. The client is never, ever, ever going to stay engaged and motivated and wanting to buy into what you're selling unless they trust you. They've got to build that relationship first. That relationship is what's going to keep them coming back. That relationship is going to make them feel that they owe you something. I'm, I'm going to... Do the work because I want to make you proud of me, and that's that's what we all want. We all want someone to feel proud of what we've achieved, whether or not it's your family. Or, you know, I'm a father now. I want to make my son proud. But some people don't have a, they don't have that family surrounding you, so they're literally not just hiring you to make them better. They're hiring you to make them feel better, and that's with a friendship. That's with a trust. That's with a bond that you need to build and. It's with all coaches on a professional level. Some coaches can really relate to their team and they can get the most out of them. Some coaches are just a pure dictator, general yell, scream, do it at all costs, get it done it, you know, no matter what it takes. It doesn't work for everyone anymore. That might have worked, you know, 20, 30 years ago, that yell mentality. Today's day, it is about literally building a connection through communication and then building a bond through trust and then then, then you can apply the science, but you've got to break down those walls first, yeah,
1: agree. And I think just taking that a step deeper, what do you think is? A practical example of how to do that for me it's making sure that i address my clients by their name at all times yep. i make sure that i ask them about their life outside of sessions because the reality is people don't want to come in here and talk about squats and deadlifts most people don't care they just mm. want an escape and they want to be able to talk about their life and and create that rapport build that relationship with you so i always make sure that i find out what their life is like outside of our sessions do you have anything to add on that
0: yeah always i always like to apply the 90 10 rule there of your session should be them talking and then 10% should be you talking. A lot of it's gonna be you listening and and, and being a really good listener. Shouldn't need to say too much, you know? So outside of your cues, outside of your rep count, outside of giving some explanations, but apart from that, 90% is about listening to their life, listening to their stories, listening to why they're actually there in the first place. And so that's sort of the rule I apply and and with all the coaches as well. 90, 10, let let the clients do the talking and then you be the listener.
1: I think that's a fantastic rule, and I'm going to steal that off you, Brad, if you don't mind. I think innately I, I apply that rule, but without having a, a philosophy to it. I think for any coach that is up and coming in the industry, whether you've been in the industry for years or you're just starting off, I think if you can apply that rule and build that rapport and build that trust, I feel like you know, you're setting up your best chance of success.
0: Yeah, without a doubt.
1: Now, yesterday we had a little bit of a deep dive into your personal mindset, your personal training philosophy, how you keep up your fitness journey in such a hectic lifestyle I've heard briefly about your 3am wake-ups making sure that you get the job done before you're coming into work to motivate others can you elaborate a little bit more on that for the listeners and talk to us a little bit about a day in the life of Brad
0: yeah well first of all it's almost like, like like you steal my mythology of ninety ten. it's like oh, I've stolen this you know this this mindset as well of other people are as I was entering into the fitness world, I would love to investigate and read books about how people would apply themselves early on in the morning and getting the most out of each and every single day. I loved hearing about how Kobe Bryant would be first in the gym and Chris Paul 3 a.m. on the court shooting hoops thousands and thousands of times. And then you listen to these successful people out there. I remember watching a documentary on um, on the artist Will I Am, and he's a producer, and he works tirelessly hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And then I was like, these guys can do it. Well then surely I can do it as well. And one of the biggest and hardest things that trainers will find is is finding time to train themselves. They devote so much of their energy to their clients. And if you're working end to end to end on clients, by the time you've done with eight, 10 clients, the hardest person to give that energy to is yourself. And so my rule on that is, is, is I always train myself first. No matter what it is during the day, I'm I'm first. I wanna set the example, I wanna set the energy for the day. And so no matter what time my first client is, now it's gotten earlier and earlier and earlier over the years, it used to be back in the day, clients first one, six o'clock. Then about 10 years ago it came to five o'clock and now I've got clients that train at four o'clock. And so that sometimes forces me to train at three o'clock. I run a challenge here, the Rise Challenge and they have to meet me here 4am on a Monday morning which means I've got to train at 3am. Or sometimes they've got to run a half marathon and so then I've got to run a half marathon before their half marathon. (laughs) And then so sometimes I would have ended up clocking up 35 or so K's in the morning before it's even hit 6 a.m. And my one rule is you you can't neglect yourself. And I I refuse to to be a coach out there that that tells people what to do, but then doesn't practice what they preach. I refuse to be that guy that stands in a gym and says, I want you to, to train X, Y, Z, but I'm not willing to do it myself. I don't tell people to train the way I train. I just, I ask them, to add the same amount of effort in.
1: Well, I'm I'm blown away. Like, one word rings in my head and that's sacrifice. The amount of sacrifice that comes for you to be able to make that decision and put yourself first in the environment so then you can give other people the same energy and attention and advice that you do to yourself. What elements in your life do you sacrifice to ensure that you can do those sorts of things, getting up at 3am, running a half marathon? Talk to us.
0: Yeah, I think that the biggest thing you actually sacrifice is is that morning greeting I think you, you lose that like so with my partner Nat you lose that ability to lay in bed together and and and, and have that moment of bonding I, I lose that ability to lay in the bed with my son um, who's one years of age you, you, you do you, you have to sacrifice that moment um, in the morning but I tell everyone as well I also train very very early to get my work done to make sure that like today, like get the, the ability to go pick my son up from childcare early. Like he's meant to be in there tonight until, you know, five PM. He can be there until five PM. But I'll make sure I go and get him at one thirty. And and that's that's the ability it gives me by getting up early. I'm not then pushing the dial back and back and back. A lot of trainers they, they do finish late in the night and business owners, they do finish late in the night. Well, if I start at three, it gives me the ability to finish earlier today to go get him and I get to spend that special moment. So yes, there's an element of sacrifice, but there's also an element of gain there as well. So I gain those hours later on in the night where I get to spend dinner with my family. I get to, you know, walk the dogs with my family, go to the beach with my family, and, and I can do that on a, on a nightly basis. But yeah, there is an element. Every morning, you might you might feel tired, you might feel lethargic, you've got to get your ass out of bed. And everyone's like, how do you do it every morning? How do you bounce out of bed? I don't bounce out of bed. Some days I look at my my, my phone, I'm like, I'm cursing the sun, you know? My, how is it already 2 a.m.? How is it already, you know, 2.30? Why have I got to get up? And everyone's like, you you do it every day. It doesn't mean you enjoy it every day. It's a grind for everyone. But that's that's sort of the simple mythology. I generally, I've seen what other high achievers have done in our field, and um, I try and apply it myself.
1: I listened to a podcast on the way to record our episode yesterday with you featuring in it, and uh, something resonated with me that you've never actually seen a TV series before. So I think from a sacrifice point of view that is a huge sacrifice as well something that society has created that quote-unquote downtime for you that you you just choose not to subscribe to that and you focus on other elements in your life that are going to add that like walking your dog like picking your son up from child, child care early like I feel like the sacrifices that you make in that realm are giving you so much more energy time connection relationship in other areas of your life and I think like for people at home, if they don't take anything out of this podcast but that, that is a massive gold nugget to yeah. choose your priorities.
0: Yeah. I you know, think that, that, That's one thing, hey, like, um, before before COVID hit, there was actually... Um, I, I'd never, ever seen a TV series until then. i never, ever watched anything until COVID hit, and then you had some downtime, and, like, how do I fill in the gaps? Um, I ended up watching Yellowstone. But um, before that, I'd never, never, ever engaged. People were like, oh, did you watch Friends? Or back in the day, did you watch... Seinfeld or the Simpsons or, or anything I'm like no nah, I, I, I didn't I just either played sport as a kid um, or I was out riding my bike or I was out doing something or I was reading a book or I was I was engaging in something that, that, that was of interest but yeah um, TV for me it's not it's not a big thing that I feel that um, you need to do or you gain a lot out of um, some people they might you know get a certain joy out of it but I definitely for me personally I get to find a lot more growth um in other aspects yeah definitely brad i think it's it speaks
1: wonders of the person that you can you know put those things aside and and really focus on other elements of your life that are going to add value i think i think it's amazing and we we live in a society where it's it's almost accepted if you're not watching tv at night you're not quote-unquote normal and and to focus on prioritizing those other things it's people are thinking they're like wow like how does this guy do it but you're in control, you're driving that ship, you're choosing every night to sit there for two hours watching Netflix, if, if that's what you do. You know, you, you have the same amount of time as everyone else does in the day, but you're choosing to use it differently.
0: Yeah, and, and also, one of, the, one of the biggest things is, as you get older, is people lose connection with their relationships. And then you realise, like, what am what I was, what doing tonight? I could have spent that night out to dinner with some friends or catching up with friends or, you know... Building something with this time instead of just sitting on the couch. And then when you review the last six months, the last three months, like what have I actually achieved? And it's not much, but have you lost a bond, or or have you not built on a relationship that was you know previously there? I think so many people, literally, they would uh, to reflect on how often they reach out to their friends, or how often they create an opportunity to engage in, in friendship or building another friendship, or you know, um, engaging in a social interaction. They'll look back and go, oh, they've probably neglected a fair bit of their time on just lounging around. And, and it's something I just refuse to do. And I always use my, my, um, my Instagram stories as an example here. And I, I tell everyone, I go, I don't have, you know, 10,000 followers and I don't have all that. But I go, I guarantee you the people that watch my story today, I know them. I'll know every single one of them. I'll know where I met them in life. I know how long I've been friends with them for. And I'll know the reason why they're watching my story. Um, where I, I literally pride myself on knowing who's in my life. I know who's there, why they're there, how long they've been there for, and, and what we can do to improve where that relationship's going.
1: Incredible philosophy, man, I love it. I wanna unpack a little bit of a can of worms that we sort of partially opened yesterday before the the far corrupted, and that's talking about training your members, how you train and how that's a big no-no for coaches in the industry. For a little bit of a backstory for these, to put perspective, what is your training philosophy now, Brad? How are, how are you approaching your, your training and how does this experience, like you said before, climbing Everest, mountain climbing, Ironmans, all those sorts of things develop your, your training philosophy?
0: Yeah, so a lot of trainers out there, they, they love to train their clients how they like to train. And the reality is, you know, I always say to all of my clients, like, don't train the way I train, you know? I've been doing this for so long now that my body's adapted to what the the stresses I'm asking it to do, whether or not it be multiple sessions, you know, each and every single day, swimming in a pool, running on the track, bike riding, weights training, you know, doing burpees up and down. And people are like, oh, why aren't your joints stuffed? I've been doing strength training for over half my life. You know, this is over 18 years that my body's. You know, gone through this regime and I've constantly layered on, layered on, layered on, layered on, layered um, and built it up so I definitely didn't start here so I would definitely not want someone else to start here same with nutrition right you, you constantly build your knowledge you constantly, you constantly build and I find that as you grow older you finally master what your body can handle and what it can't handle we always trial and error trial and error trial and error same with when it comes to the exercise world you will make mistakes and I've made mistakes but I've adapted and and, and of someone that's been able to push the limits of an endurance element plus weighing quite heavily and being quite strong in the strength world. So there's a lot of adaptation that goes on in that. So, so my strict rule and no-no is do not do what I do. I don't want people to get up at all hours of the morning every single day. It's gonna take a lot for their body to adapt to that. Um, I don't want them to train 13 sessions a week minimum. Their body's gonna take a little bit to get adapted to that. So. I make, I make sure that they're realist about it. They're realistic about their training age and where they're from. And then I'll make sure that we can build from that. But definitely you can't go from not being able to walk, to jog, to run, to hop, to skip, to plyometrics all in a week. Small little steps as you go. That's the main aim. Small little steps. Steal a little bit from what I do and then apply it. But don't do everything. Don't Don't apply the whole lot.
1: Yeah, I think... That point's really, really vital and something that I sort of pride my whole philosophy on. I'm not a huge fan of doing short six-week, eight-week challenges because people give all or nothing for those six, eight weeks and then neglect all the fundamentals. And there's non-negotiables that you build over years and years and years of training. And then after the six weeks is done they fall back into the same habits that they did six weeks ago and and it's just like you do three or four cycles of that a year what are you actually learning from it like Mm. wouldn't you rather take some time and focus on those building those fundamentals so then your next challenge you can achieve more than you did last challenge instead of just going in this perpetual cycle that
0: you you achieve nothing yeah and and that's why we 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 definitely try to get away from um people weighing themselves pre and post challenges and, and things like that it's more about especially with the challenges we run here at Herb it's more about embedding habits into them that they can stick to. Yeah. Training on a consistent level, reading a book, getting up early, taking time to evaluate your week. When it comes to nutrition, making sure you plan and prepare your food and you delete Uber Eats off your phone. <laughs> and making sure you actually know where those ingredients come from. That's one of the hardest things. Trying to, going back to the, the absolute basic of basic is going where are you buying your produce from? And, like, oh, just the Coles and Safeway. Well, that's where we're at. You're still a beginner. Yeah, we're actually out there in the world to try and find the most organic, the best produce we can find. And it ain't in the supermarket, it's going to be at an organic butcher's, it's going to be at a local market, it's going to be going to a fruit and veg shop, not getting what's the best fast, click, and collect. No way in hell am I clicking and collecting and letting someone else pick my produce and then I have no idea where it's come from and then I'm eating it. So they're the kind of habits we try to embed in people. Make smart decisions and smart choices and then that will eliminate the stresses of life and then you're going to feel a lot better about yourself. I've seen this happen over and over and over and over again when it comes to people training and and trying to lose weight and they literally... they they come completely addicted to counting calories and addicted to what's going in their body that they start to stress and then it realized that in the human body you have two brains and and, and inside the stomach and, and inside you know the cerebral cortex you, you actually need a really good you know relationship between the two for them both to work optimal mm-hmm. if you overthink things and you overstress things the side effects you know lack of clarity in thought tiredness you know um, stress anxiety stuff like that Dehydration is a massive one.
1: Inability yeah. to trust your own body signals. Like yeah. we've got these signs and signals for a reason, but we
0: don't. We don't have trust in them. 100. And when your stomach's hungry, you hear it rumble. It will tell you you're hungry. You will send messages to your central nervous system to, get, to eat some food. So we, we literally tell people, hey, try to eliminate the stress because if you're spending all of your energy in in your brain, well then, one. How are you going to exert any kind of physical exercise at an effort that is a percentage that you can actually perform at? Because all of your energy ain't going to your muscles. It's going to your CNS. Your stomach, your metabolism is slowing down because all the energy ain't going there. And that's why we talk about foods that are really easy to understand inside the human body. The body is ninety percent water. What is your food? What food is your body best going to understand? Water-based foods, yeah. So it's like, how do you get energy in really, really quickly? Let's go to things like grapes and watermelons and cucumbers and things like that. So inside of our challenges, I'm literally just trying to teach people the basics, fundamentals of what it takes to build someone that can become bulletproof um, when it comes to their training, their everyday lifestyles and so forth. But we definitely don't try to obsess over yo-yoing and if you lose this amount of weight and this is your transformation photo within four weeks. I even see the other day, I was like, I don't care how they look this week. I care about how they look in April 2023. I wanna see if you can sustain what you've just done over the last four or six weeks. I wanna see if you can sustain that for 12 months. Come and see me in 12 months from now and then we'll see where you're at. And that's gonna be the biggest tester. Same with this, now I'm I'm 10 weeks out from an Ironman. I'm not even thinking about that, it's done. The work work that was prepared for the Ironman, it's already been completed. It's been completed years and years and years of training. I'm now thinking, what about the Ironman in Tasmania in December? What about that one? And I always tell people to try and look ahead, prepare. Prepare for what's about to come. Not just what's in front of your face, but where do you want to be in six months, 12 months from now?
1: I love that philosophy, and like I take a very, very similar approach to my clients on a one-on-one basis. People come to me with weight loss goals, which is fantastic. Like I feel like that's a driver to get you to make contact with someone who who is a coach, who understands the philosophy. But People are staying on this journey after achieving their goal, not because they got their goal, because we've encouraged them to look beyond that goal. Like the, the Weight loss or weight-related goals have an end point, whereas performance goals like we spoke about before don't. No, the opportunities endless. are limitless.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much out there today that can be accomplished. I love to see people's resume of things that they've done. And I, I love to see... I remember... Um, One of the goals i saw was i saw this this japanese fellow and he set the age for the oldest man to complete the hawaiian iron man and he was in his 80s and i was like wow how's this guy in his 80s and he's just completed the hawaiian iron man i'm like what a man put that on your resume i said that's that's the guy who i want to beat i want to beat that guy who just set that record and i think that's it just it's just showing you you know like these 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 performance goals they can be timeless 100%.
1: Hundred percent, and fitness and success isn't driven by before and after photos. It's driven by your ability to to grow and how how you want to adopt this, you know, fitness philosophy, and how you're going to take it on your journey and not just have an endpoint. inside I love it, Brad. I think it's awesome. Now, mate, we've been chatting for forty five minutes. I feel like there's so many gold nuggets in this podcast, and we could chat for hours and hours and hours. But I'd love to wrap up the show by talking about your daily non negotiables and things that you put in place for you to make sure that you're showing up the best Brad Riddle that you can?
0: Yeah, a simple, some of the, the, um, the simple things I do on a daily basis is getting out of bed early, making sure that um, I always train first and that's, that's the first non-negotiable I have. Um, I always prepare my food for the day. I make sure um, that I take that I over the, the, the simple tasks that are applied, you know, doing a certain amount of work, reading a certain amount of pages inside of a book, um, always upskilling myself, but yeah, there's some of the more, the more simplistic tasks, and and some people might have methods where they put post-it notes on their mirror and they 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 say you know gratitude things. But for me, I just I just I, I use these pillars, and I just think about the pillar of nutrition, the pillar of work, the pillar of growth, the pillar of performance, and then and then I, I work through those, and generally if I go through my five pillars and um and I I, I stick to them, I'm, I just see this consistent routine that goes through every day. So. That's sort of a, a routine that I go through, but um, I don't have any post it notes or anything like that. I just know um, that they're the ones that I tick off every day when it comes to health, nutrition, recovery, performance, you know, and, and in growth.
1: Yeah, I love it. I think, you know, those, those pillars are forever growing and they're forever changing, and, and having a routine and a regime that you need to stick to, um, I think it's good for some people, but for other people, like, having a wider range and being able to be flexible in that situation is also really, really crucial too. Like you've understand that your four main pillars that you wanna to work towards and each day is gonna be as it comes. It's not gonna be a set routine for you on how you're gonna attack that day because each day is different. And I yeah. feel like that creates so much flexibility and that creates so much, that takes the stress out of a lot of different things by having clarity on your pillars. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And look, it's worked so far. So, you know, um, 18 years now I've been doing this so it's worked up till now then um, we'll just keep growing on it
1: love it man look from the outside I've met you once this is the second time and I've been following you for over a year now but I feel like we're we're definitely on the same page for a lot of things we could chat for hours and, and your philosophy is inspiring and I know that my listeners will take a lot out of today's episode so thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and sharing your time with us Brad for people at home that want to know more about you or want to come try it Hurt Locker give us a little plug
0: Yeah, mate, for anyone that is interested, obviously you can um, follow Hurt Locker Richmond on socials um, or you can send us an email, um, inquiries at hurtlockerrichmond.com.au or you can always just reach out to myself. If you follow Brad Riddle 21 on Instagram, on socials, um, you'll be able to flip me a message and then no doubt at some point that day, I'll be able to get back to you. Um, But yeah, I would invite anyone, anyone who's driven, anyone that's, that's looking for a new challenge or anyone who wants to just set a higher bar for themselves, then um, all you gotta do is walk through the doors and then the guys will take care of the rest. absolutely love it, mate. You're a weapon, you're an inspiration and I really appreciate it.
1: Wow, I think you'll struggle to find a more dedicated, motivated and inspiring man. Brad, thank you so much for giving us 60 plus minutes of wisdom. It was an absolute pleasure sitting across and picking your brain and Every time I re-listen to this podcast, I have so many aha moments and I'm sure the Euphoria Health community would have felt the same. Guys, make sure you reach out, follow Brad's journey, head in for a session at Hurt Locker Richmond and get amongst this bloke's energy. He is something else guys if you're loving the content don't forget to head on over to itunes and spotify and leave a rating and review for the podcast i don't think you know how much that really means to me and it also gives more people the ability to get some knowledge from great people in the community such as brad Also friends, at the time of this recording I am just about to launch an 8-week challenge and it's the third of its kind. It begins on July 4th and runs all the way to August 22nd. This 8-week challenge is nothing like you've ever seen before. It's actually the opposite of what the industry portrays as a quote-unquote challenge. Far too often we associate eight-week challenges with fast results and quick fixes and before and after photos and this challenge is exactly the opposite to that. Over the next eight weeks you're gonna learn the fundamentals of consistency and how to develop that uniquely to your lifestyle. I think what gets neglected often in the industry is commitment to consistency, and commitment to consistency equals results. Regardless of what your goal is, fitness and nutrition and health requires consistency, and over the next eight weeks, you're gonna learn the art of being consistent. You're gonna learn the art of habit formation. You're gonna learn the art of going on a journey yourself And I live by this philosophy, I don't want to be your quick fix, I want to be your only fix. So if you're looking for your only fix, then definitely join me over the next eight weeks. If you're wanting some more information, I'll have some links directly in the show notes. But always reach out via socials and email if you want some more information as well. The start date is July 4th, so in before then folks and I can't wait to be able to help you along your journey that's all I have for this week friends I can't wait to see you next time on the euphoria health podcast bye for now